0: Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness, extensive bio, expensive pocket square. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? It is what it is, man. We got this part two episode, (laughs) bro. Jamar was looking at me like, eh. Are we going to
1: do a part two Listen, of this? Tyler does this. He just springs it on because <laughs> his mind goes, he's brilliant. And then you just got to kind of keep pace with him. Sometimes um, I'm, I'm drafting him. I'm behind, <laughs> but we're going to catch up. It's going to be good. Okay, it's so a this frictionless is why, can, run. Okay. Can I,
0: t- can I tell the people why I suggested <laughs> Let's this? Let's do it. Yes. Okay. So I'm suggesting this because I think there's more in this topic. Of course. And I think there's more for us to discuss. And we started talking about worship styles, which made me think about preaching and it made me get into a lot of different things in my mind because I wasn't just talking about us not being ashamed of the way that we worship. Although that's a big part. Big of part. It. Yes. I'm also talking about other things as well. But on the worship tip, for those of you who were not listening, we were talking about, uh, first of all, go back and watch part one. He's throwing shade. Go back. I no, mean, nah, it's not shade. Like, look. Uh, if life you weren't happens. listening, let me repeat. Life, no, I'm just saying, if you didn't if you didn't have a chance to catch it, if you just tuning into this one, you're like, oh, this part two, I'm going to start at part two instead of part one, which don't make no sense. You don't start at endgame, then go back to Infinity War. But if that's how you do your thing, it's cool. But here's what I'm saying. I'm saying go back and watch part one or listen to part one. Once again, you can watch us on YouTube. Details about that, if you're on the podcast, are in the show notes. But listen, I really think it's important for us to talk about this again, because I was talking about some big, maybe embarrassing even uh, situations that have happened in the broader body of Christ. I, I thought about one in our break when I was, we, I, well, I talked about the amoy am situation, yeah. which was hilarious and silly. Um, you can look it up. You're like, what? I'm moist? Yeah. Like, what you talking about? Just look it up. Um, I also thought about the guy who just starts fighting the pastor. Jamar said he would take the Pisa route. I said I would take an <laughs> MMA. Um, and then, you know, I thought about Brian Carn. So Brian Carn, he just recently had a situation where he was praying for people and he was laying hands on people in a line. And they get so one young lady who was clearly nervous and she kind of locked up her knees. She didn't know what to do. And he kind of mocked her and put her out, um, and said, "Why are you? Why are you coming to the front if you don't want to receive? Like, don't just don't come to the front." Just so like um, she didn't
1: fall out like the rest. No, yeah, so she yeah. didn't fall out. So yeah. then
0: he just walked away and like blasted her, and, and that was just absolutely horrible. Don't do that. It was, you know, um, a shameful act by a pastor to do that. We have to be very careful about how we publicly rebuke very people. Very much so. You know, because that can crush people and destroy them and actually take them away from the faith. But. I was also talking about it from a standpoint of worship and how we worship and express. And I think it's interesting because Jamar brought up something that made me want to have a part two. And that's the fact that Jamar was talking about, can we appreciate the different styles of worship that people may have? So can we appreciate the fact that certain people are not going to worship in the same way that others are? That some may be expressive, others may be more reserved. Some may be loud, others may be soft and quiet. And considering. And so as a result, man, I was thinking about this Black preaching conversation that mm-hmm. took place a few years back. And okay. This Black preaching conversation was about differing preaching methods and preaching styles. And so I think it's important for you all to know that there's lots of scholarship in the Black church and the Black Christian t- tradition. So there's a guy that we've actually had on the podcast. His name is the Reverend Dr. Frank Thomas, Frank A. Thomas. He is actually the um, leader of and the founder of the only Black preaching doctoral program, Black preaching and sacred rhetoric in the entire world What's in history. What's it called? Where's it at? Um, I, it's at Christian Theological Seminary. Word. And so it's a um, PhD in Black preaching um, and sacred rhetoric. It's phenomenal. Dr. Thomas has written a lot of different books about Black preaching. And one of the books that he wrote about Black preaching summarized his preaching methodology and philosophy it's called They Like to Never Quit Praising God. And it was taken from a Dr. Henry Mitchell uh, lesson where he would end the lecture um, by talking about the uh, enslaved Africans and how at the end they would he would say they, they like to never quit praising God. Mm. That's what was said about them, mm. um, that they like to never quit praising God. So he actually took that and turned it into a sermonic method. If you're a black preacher in any context or really any preacher, you should know about this method. And it's a four-pronged method. It's situation, complication, resolution, celebration. So you present the situation in a narrative framework. Then you introduce the complication, right? Then you bring the resolution. And then you end in celebration. And that's what Frank Thomas is famous for. It's a brilliant preaching method. He's a um, there's, a, at it. there's actually a yeah. lot of different preaching methods out there. Sure. Um Jeremiah Wright used the Hegelian dialectic method, mm. which is antithesis, uh, thesis, thesis. synthesis. synthesis. Yes. So he used he used that. So he used that, he said the opposite of what he wanted to say. Then he said what he wanted to say, or and then yeah, then he said what he wanted to say. That was his thesis. And then he synthesized it, brought it home. I mean, you know, Freddie Haynes does, you know, three points in a poem, you know. See, i keep trying to
1: remind our listeners, viewers, like Tyler is a preacher preacher and he's a pastor before all of this. He loves, has him like... But he studies this stuff, y'all. I, it's a clinic every time you talk no, about I this. No, I just, I, I like I, I like This it. is my jam, okay? Yes, Anything that yes. I
0: love, I become a nerd in, okay? Yeah, so yeah. that's just how I am. But it's also important for us to be constantly tweaking our preaching method to like fit the reality of, of what is required. And I say all that to say he had this idea, Dr. Frank A. Thomas, that the sermons end in celebration. He kept talking about that celebration, celebration. So another preaching professor named Doctor Cleophas Larue, he wrote a book. I believe is called Rethinking Celebration, and it was actually a pushback to Doctor Frank A. Thomas's method. And he was actually giving a you know that happens in scholarship, right? They kind of be clapping back at one another. Yes. yes. Um, but it was in a, it was in a gracious way. It was in yep. a good way. Doctor Frank natured, Thomas. Yep. He even promoted the book, things like that. But so his idea was. That every sermon and every service and every Christian event and moment doesn't need to end in celebration. As a matter of fact, if it ends in celebration, it's actually unhealthy. Mm. That sometimes, and he was bringing to bear in the Black Christian tradition the importance of lament. He was bringing to bear the importance of sorrow, the importance of tears, the importance of pain, the importance of grieving well and so he was saying that it's important for us to sometimes recognize that we don't have to end the same way every single time. Right. That it's actually underdeveloped spirituality for us to shout and not cry. Mm. You know, for us to sing loudly but not reflect deeply.
1: Because it's a narrow slice of the human experience. Exactly. And the Christian experience.
0: And what's so funny is now in the pandemic, in a global pandemic, which we are still in. In a global pandemic, this is actually something that becomes extremely germane to us to actually be able to bring to the bear because we have to help people walk through death and oh loss goodness. and grief yes. and pain yes. and financial difficulty and depression and all these other things, the The changes in their body, the changes in their rhythm, the things that they weren't able to do, the first that they weren't able to celebrate.
1: I've often thought we need a National Day of Lament
0: Yeah. Just for Mm.
1: really need national season of lament for this pandemic and all that is taken away, stalled. Yeah. Um, somebody said it's gonna take us at least a decade to process all of this. And 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 in the rhythm of life, we need to have shepherds create help create that space for lament.
0: And so this is what I was this is why I was saying, yes, it's important for us not to be ashamed of how we express. But that expression may be multi-layered. Yes, so that expression may be a, an expression of, you know, I'm excited and I want to, you know, scream and holler and dance and shout and run around the church. And then the expression may be, I, I don't feel it today, and I need to sit in why, and I need to sit silently, and mm-hmm. I need to maybe sit in a different seat, mm-hmm. and I need to maybe sit in the back, right? I maybe need to watch online and process this.
1: Well, this is so crucial because it's not just a sort of like theological or homiletical debate. Like one of the hallmarks of black preaching, black preaching is the close. Yeah. Yeah. Is the celebration, is the getting to the resurrection, (laughs) is the hooping, is the turning up so that folks know that Christ is alive.
0: Yeah, but right? okay, I'm trying to figure out how y'all get to the cross every sermon. Like how every sermon y'all get to the cross. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I just, I'm just saying how you bring every sermon to the. You know, I'm just I don't 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 stone me. Okay, yeah. I'm just say will hey, bring every sermon to the cross. Like I mean, y'all y'all trying to end with the hoop and then like he bled, he died, he did it every sermon. Like I'm just trying to figure it out. Rehearsing the
1: story, right, 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 right. Well, I think that's part of it. Is the
0: repetition
1: inculcates the resurrection, no, no. right?
0: Otherwise, how does let, it have staying power? To let these people get, you try to let these people get away with doing the same clothes every single time. It's repetition or it's a crutch. <laughs> it could also be that. It
1: could be, and it could be a stereotype like this is what you do as a black preacher, sure. right? For sure. But I think there, there there's a, a a theological pathway that gets people there, right? Okay. Now, now, what I might distinguish is how does every sermon get to Jesus?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which, yeah, you know then you can argue well does doesn't that always include the cross
0: yeah, it, but that's that's a that's an open question, that's <laughs> an open question. I love to talk about the how you how you preach the wisdom literature, and then but anyway, uh so you know There's how you preach Bible. The, the poetic yeah. and and allegories and still, so that's kind of very interesting for us to consider. But you know, as I, as I process this, man, I think it's important. I don't, we're not just talking about this because we want to talk about preaching and theology and all that. But Because a lot of people leave the faith and don't believe that the faith has space for them.
1: There it is. And yeah. room for them. Yeah, yeah. That's what Ooh. I'm getting
0: at. You don't feel like there's room for you. This, this is why we exist. We exist and provoke these conversations so that people recognize that, no, you're not the only one. Yes, there is room for you to preach and believe and serve and follow Jesus and love others and still be who you are. And also recognizing that you don't have to go outside of the faith to receive the things that you feel like you need.
1: And I feel like the stronger the tradition, the more pressure there is to conform.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So
1: so black church tradition is very distinctive in a lot of ways, right? And so, in that context where there are such long, tried, true, tightly held traditions, it can feel like if I don't fit into that, there's no place for me. Hmm. So, and this gets back to other conversations we've had about the expansive Black Christian tradition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what if that is not your upbringing? What if that is not your sort of... Instinctual or or, or natural um, expression of the faith that is common in whatever church circle you're in is right. there room? And then even probably more crucially, how do you make room in in the midst of that? Right? Because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. want strong traditions like those. Are the, yeah, of course. They develop for a reason, but at the same time, you know, there's different expressions.
0: Yeah, and that's why I really like the idea of us confronting the shame that we naturally feel about one another and about ourselves. Mm, mm. I, I really think it's important for us to establish a confrontation, a space and room for us to confront that in us and a space and room for us to open up that dialogue. I actually challenge, you know, and this is kind of getting ahead cause we still have more than we want to cover on this, but I actually challenge you as black Christians to get together with a group of other black Christians that you trust and know and love and have this conversation with them. And process this within your local community or your friend group or your circle of influence, and process ways in which you, looking down upon yourself as a Black Christian and embodied, an embodied theological being, you looking down upon yourself and also you looking down upon our broader tradition. I think it would produce some incredible things. the The greatest moments of growth that Jamar and I have had haven't been on this podcast or doing doing work on the wit- with the witness or doing a con- conference or a ptm tour or raising money it's been the private conversations where we're asking hard questions about where we're at yeah and why how how did i get here
1: right right you
0: no know, why do i believe this why do i think this and that's like a regular thing for us where we're asking the questions off mic well i kind of feel this way but why do i feel this way
1: that's so crucial to make space for to make space to ask the unaskable questions, mm. that which is presumed mm. to be so sacrosanct Yeah. that if you brought it up in a certain yeah. setting, they would look at you some kind of way. Yeah, They would say that you're not being Christian enough. You're not being black church enough. You're not appreciating X, Y, Z. But we absolutely have to have space to say, well, why do we do it this way? Can I do it this way? Is there, what all of these questions are getting at is, is there room for me here?
0: Yeah. And how many people are deciding not to go back to church because there's just not space for them?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And this is not always your fault. Like That's not what I'm saying. It's not your fault or our fault. It's just what is within us. And sometimes it's actually the church's fault for not giving space and welcoming diverse groups of, of people, diverse groups of black Christians to have a seat at the table and also diverse groups of black Christians who don't necessarily all think the same, believe the same, express the same on every single detail should also be a part of the planning of the liturgy of the service.
1: So I was going to ask you as a pastor, you know, how do you do that? Because I can only imagine how difficult it is when you're actually trying to help a corporate body express themselves in worship. Yeah. And then you've got some folks in there who's like, no, I don't, I don't do it that way.
0: Yeah. So I, Part of this is helpful because the the consistency of our church and what we're known for is is pretty straightforward and strong. So people know us. So we've had time to build up a reputation over the course of almost 30 years. So now we're transitioning to something even more expressive than what we were. Mm. But part of it is, you know, the brand, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and not like the brand, like, oh, the church is a brand, but you know, the you know who we are, what we're going right. to do. So you kind of have that that's built into it. So there's, There's not necessarily the need to create or do something that is completely, you know, against who you are and who we are as a church. But I think what's also important, man, is um, as a pastor, I give encouragement to our worship team and leadership to our worship team from a pastoral discipleship lens and also in the concept of worship, because in my theology, I believe that. As a pastor, I'm the person that's supposed to be leading worship, right? Even though other people are up there with mics, I'm leading worship, right? So I feel like that's what I am supposed to do and that's my role and responsibility. But I let the worship team create and I let them establish. And then as I hopefully am am helping them to have well-formed discipleship and understanding of the faith and understanding of who they are, that they'll create. Out of what they're learning.
1: Yeah. That yeah. they'll
0: develop out of what they're learning. The second thing is, I think it's important for our core team. Our core team is built up of a lot of different types of personalities. Uh-huh, yes. So it's, the core team really sets the, the, the steering direction of the church. There For us, it's three teams right now. It's leadership team, which is those leaders who exist as elders and deacons already within our context. Um, it's launch team, which are people who are joining us to relaunch the church. And then it's core team. And so the core team is like, my secret council. <laughs> mm, mm. Those are my private council. They run ministries within the church, and the core team is built of a lot of different personalities. So there's some people that are geared more towards expression. There's some people that are cerebral. Mm. There's some people that come from are coming from reform theology. <laughs> there's some people that are coming from. See how he looked at me. You, you know. See? <laughs> <laughs> you see. You see. There's some people that have been in at New Dimensions for years. There's some people that just got here. Yep. Two years ago, or in the pandemic. And then there are some people that are extremely expressive and ready to go and ready to turn up. And we get in a room and we say, well, how do we convey these concepts in a way that takes into account the diversity of our church Yes. and also yes. the diversity of our faith tradition um, an expressive tradition? Because he, see, here's what happens for us. We had, because we're a non-denominational church, a mix of backgrounds. Sure. And a lot of your churches will have a mix of backgrounds. You just don't know it. Yes. So we had uh, – Baptist folks, so typically missionary Baptist folks, or um, yeah, so typically missionary Baptist folks that would be there. That's one group. Then we had Kojic folks, folks that were coming from a Kojic background. Then we have folks that were coming from a PAW background, which is oneness. And then we have folks that were coming from an AME background, all in the same church, adopting a all new structure. All very different expressions. All very different expressions. Yes. Very different styles. Yes. And then we have people that came from the streets. Right. So nope, they got saved at our church. Right. This all they know, right? And they're fighting with all these other you know, people, right. right? So there's like there's so now there's there's a necessity to to lean into our diversity rather than trying to homogenize everybody. So lean into the fact that what can we learn from these different right. traditions? And instead, how can we take these traditions and appreciate all of them and appreciate the elements of man? I love the fact that there's education. There's consistent education in missionary Baptist churches. There's an education department that's consistent. Because they're gonna make sure that people are getting discipled in their Sunday school every every month. Well, mm-hmm. we should probably take mm-hmm. we should learn from that. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey folks, Jamar Tisby here, and I am so grateful for your support, your listening, your engagement with the Pass The Mic podcast. I'm wondering if this podcast has been helpful to you, challenging, encouraging. If you would consider becoming a paid subscriber to the podcast for as little as $1 an episode, you can help keep this good work going. Just visit patreon.com slash pass the mic. That's patreon.com slash pass the mic. We appreciate you for your support. I've been on both sides, the pulpit and the pew. And in so many of our discussions about the church and the black church lately, I think it's important to underscore this isn't all on the pastor. This isn't all on the leadership, right? Like how powerful would it be for parishioners to come and say, hey, pastors, hey, elders, hey, leadership team. Can we make space for meditation and contemplation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a season where we need some 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 opportunity to lament. Hmm. I feel like we need to celebrate because we've been so trampled upon by our circumstances, right?
0: Look, that would
1: <laughs> make your job a lot easier, right? I see how I'm smiling <laughs> right now. I just want like 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 we're all the body. Yeah. And it's different parts, but it's not like any part is superior to the other yeah. every part of the body needs yeah. the other and so you don't have to be in ordained leadership to help shape the worship and expression of a local body hmm. like you so are good. the body That's so so, so bring who you are and what you're feeling and what you think your needs are to the leadership and it doesn't mean you know you'll always listen you got a group of people to shepherd but goodness we're not we're not passive in this thing is what i'm trying to say yeah
0: that's really helpful so how can you shape in and help to create an environment that helps your church to see other people exactly instead of thinking my church should see other people help create that environment yeah don't just stop at the thought right but keep going
1: and advocating for others right especially especially if we're talking about folks who are more reserved in in any way shape or form or folks who have historically been disempowered in our society so that could be children that could be women in certain church contexts yes. so so that you know if a if this hasn't been my practice before and b if i'm in a position where historically or traditionally i don't have much say yeah. i may not feel the agency to go and approach oh, of the senior absolutely. minister right
0: absolutely yeah
1: but maybe you know that person and you 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 yourself can can yeah. facilitate that yeah. or say hey i'll go with you yeah right so so even the body helping other members of the body Whew. how would church look different oh my goodness Then we, okay, so this goes back to conversations we've been having about like TikTok generation preachers, right? Right. Like we put all the focus and criticism on the preacher, but what structures and systems are set up within the church to make sure the preacher has healthy uh, prep, healthy methodology, healthy delivery, uh, sabbaticals to, to unplug, right? And then even when it comes to congregational care. We're ex- it's expected that that it's the ordained leadership in and of us, but but pastors are there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. yeah. So what does That's it what look like for the saints to do ministry? Yeah. In and amongst one another and in the world. So I think it would, I think it would actually relieve some of the pressure from the leadership, particularly senior pastors. It could increase their longevity in the pulpit because right now feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And if you don't get it right,
0: everything's going to fall apart. You you know, yes. I I do want to say that as a pastor, I know we're talking pastorally now, ecclesiology, that type of stuff. I I do want to say this, that I'm not the type of pastor, and I hope we don't portray this, but I'm not the type of pastor that's like, woe is me. I know what I signed up for. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, like you know what I'm saying, like I know what I signed up for. I know I signed up for a lot of pain. I know I signed up for a ton of emotional exhaustion. I know I signed up for a very, very um, inconvenient life. (laughs) I know that's what I signed up for. Part of that reality and the sober nature of how I say that is just simply because I grew up in a pastor's home. Yeah. So I lived it, and I stepped into it, and right, right. I know what I signed up for, yeah. but I I do appreciate. So I I sometimes I hate when pastors are like, man, it's so hard out here, and I'm like, yeah, it, sure, it, it's hard, bro. That's like the I'm job. not gonna I'm not gonna say it's not hard. Like mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's more difficult than what people know. Amen. Mm-hmm. But we we said yes, right, right, <laughs> right? right. Like right. we're we're I'm I'm constrained by the gospel.
1: Mm.
0: Like I can't get out of it. Like the gospel compels me. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Right. So it's just like. I, this is what I'm doing. Sure. So I say yes to it, but I think it's helpful for us to take less of a top-down hierarchical approach right. to church sure. and encourage a collective communal congregational work towards the project of confronting our shame mm. towards the project of confront. That's why I say go and get some people who you can trust who you love, who you care about, and have these conversations with them. Absolutely. Go and get them and sit down and let's say, we're going to confront this shame. And if we can't confront it ourselves, or if there's only a little bit, man, maybe we we obviously need to pray about us getting affordable therapy. And individually, we need to get affordable therapy so that we can work this out, our spiritual direction, so that we can work this out. Because I feel like this is the next step that we're going to have a group of people that know what it's like to fight for justice. And know what it's like to fight for equity and know what it's like to push for the changing of the systems of the world, but who struggle with secret shame. Hmm. And how can you, how can you liberate out of shame? How can you liberate out of being ashamed of who you are Right. and being ashamed of who God made you while demanding others to appreciate that same thing? And that's why I think it's important.
1: And so we've been talking about sort of the internal pressures to conform to a certain worship style, whatever. There's also external pressure of the white gays, oh, yeah. white Christians, white yeah. world, of acting a certain way, expressing your faith, uh, expressing your faith in a certain way that can lead to those feelings of shame. Sure. Right? So so if you are made to feel as if your expression or your tradition is somehow inferior, anti-intellectual, not rooted in the Bible, whatever it might be, that then can be a source of shame as well. Absolutely. And we react in a variety of ways to that. So some of us might pull away from the faith and from church communities. Some of us might seek out those worship communities that we think are more legit. Yeah, And when really what's happening is it's a cultural expression of the faith that we think is superior because of the messages that we've inherited from society and that can be a source of shame then which is detrimental because now we don't look to the black church tradition as a source of strength and identity and dignity now we think that's something shameful and we're searching for something to 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 bring Uh, a healthy amount of pride and restoration in a context that was explicitly and often still is explicitly (laughs) anti-black. So we have this shame brought on by the expectations of whiteness, and then we engage in um, Eurocentric and white Mm. expressions of the faith to alleviate that shame. Oh, man. So Oof. we're caught in this loop. Oof. And until we break that cycle and, and and find places of expansiveness and flourishing and liberty in our expression of worship, then we'll actually be, be perpetuating the shame cycle.
0: It's like what they said was going to cure you is actually what's making you sick. Right. <laughs> right. My, my, my. My, my, my. Yo, it's say deep, lie, y'all. bro. Say lie. That's serious. That's serious. Yeah, I think you just said you just freed some people right then. You just set some people free for real, because that's what that's what a lot of us have done. Yeah, that's what a lot of us did. You know the strange. So that's been a big part of my story,
1: right? Just being in these reformed and white evangelical circles, hoping that I could bring my full black self into these spaces and eagerly you know expecting that maybe naively yeah. but hey that that's what we were sold is what yeah. i keep trying to tell people we don't walk into this blindly this is what they tell us this is what they say they're about and 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 sometimes they don't even know how harmful it is how traumatizing it is because they know no other way to be christian right, right? and so we go into these churches we go into these spaces and we're looking for dignity and uh, freedom and 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 all of these things, and we don't get it there. And 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 for somebody like me, it's not necessarily reflex to say, "Oh, I need I need to be in a black church right now," hmm. because it hadn't been my tradition. Yeah. The yeah. strange way I got to it was by studying black history, right? Which is part and parcel, which is part and parcel with the black church, of course. But it was. Tapping into that resilience and that resistance and that strength that I learned from the ancestors, hmm. from the people who came, I was like, "Oh, oh, snap!" So there are spaces and places and people where your very existence and reality is not questioned. Hmm. And so, and so, this is why, if we want to break this shame cycle, which is so uh, grieves the heart of the Lord, I think to know that that fellow siblings in Christ are perpetuating this stuff, we have to get, we have to break out of these spaces that were designed, that were not designed with us in mind.
0: Yeah. That's so good, man. Thank you. That's so good. This has been helpful. I think it's been helpful for other people. We didn't even touch on a lot of the stuff I wanted to, but it's totally fine.
1: That's why you said part two. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I think this was
0: really helpful, just really important for people. Man, thank you. Thank you for for letting me have a part two because I think it's really going to set some people free. Amen.